0: The Magnitude of the Christian Hope. This is the final chapter. It's the final message. It's the final scene of a great book. And the final word is they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now let me just say this in passing. A lot of times people ask me about uh, the way we should be buried. And today, there is a great move to cremation, and if you want my opinion, here is the way Christians should be taken care of. It's right here in the last statement of Genesis. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin. Now, it doesn't have to be in Egypt, but wherever. But this is the Christian way. That's the way they treated Jesus, with great love and care. They took care of his body, and placed it in a tomb. The average Christian ought to go to Joseph's deathbed for a lesson in what we have learned to call immortality. There is no greater example of victorious faith and expectation than Joseph's dying commandment concerning his bones. If you look at the faith chapter in Hebrews 11 and the 22nd verse, you will find these words recorded in that section of Scripture about this Old Testament circumstance. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Now this is a concern of mine because of the way the world is influencing our thinking today. There is far too much fear, far too much apprehension in the lives of people who believe God's word and who have claimed him as their Lord. Is our faith as strong as Joseph's faith? In this day of revelation is our faith rooted in the hope of an eternal possession. Joseph flung his anchor clear across the gulf when he commanded, Carry my bones up hence. It was a declaration of faith in the hereafter, in the immortality of the soul. You have heard me say before, we have a better inheritance, a fuller, clearer promise than the world possesses. We call it today the magnitude of the Christian hope. I don't care how many missiles are built. I don't care how great inflation becomes. I don't care what malady we may face next, there is a magnitude In the Christian hope, we do not gather today to mourn. We gather to celebrate. We gather to to a coronation today, the coronation of a king, King Jesus, and he's alive. We come to an empty tomb and to a throne today. Hallelujah. There is a magnitude in the Christian hope. C.M. Ward tells of his mother's death. For years, he was the evangelist on Revival Time on the ABC network, colorful preacher. He said that his mother was nearly 80, his father had slipped away just a few months earlier. CM came to her hospital room where she was in an oxygen tent. Now partially paralyzed and with a blood clot determining the final moments of her life, she knew and he knew there was no turning back. Finally, the moment came when he had to leave, the kingdom of God upon the earth beckoning this great preacher, and the kingdom of God in heaven beckoning the dear old saint, his mother. He gained the permission of the nurse to slip the oxygen tent back so he could speak to his mother, and his last words to his mother were these, Mother, you will soon overtake our precious daddy. And again you will be walking together as you so faithfully did for 53 years of marriage. Then he said, Mother, when again you are walking together in the paradise of God, walk slowly and look over your shoulder. I'm walking behind. Now, friends, that's it in a nutshell. It seems to me that we need a destination in view. It seems to me that we need what Abraham had when in Hebrews 11:10, it said, Abraham went out in search of the city. Why should it be considered as sentimental nonsense when we talk about a heaven where the streets are paved with gold and where there is a river of life flowing from the throne of God and where there is no death, where there is no parting, where there is no sighing, where there are no tears, where there is no sickness anymore. Why should that be a thing thought sentimental? The Bible is filled with that message from Genesis 50 clear to Revelation 22. We read in Hebrews 11:16, 16, Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. I hath not seen nor ear heard, for 1 Corinthians 2.9 declares, Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those that love him. John 14.2, as Jesus was comforting his disciples, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Hallelujah, the magnitude of the Christian hope. And that is what is exemplified in the ending to Genesis, a glorious climax to the life of Joseph and to a great book. Israel was left with a mummy and a hope, and I want us to underscore that today. Three points in my message. We have in Genesis 50 a reminder of mortality a reminder of hope, and a reminder of patience. Let us first look at a reminder of mortality, and I want you to get this. No man is necessary. I could pass from the scene today, and this work would go on. Israel can survive the loss of the strong and wise Joseph. Many a passerby would pause and think, supposing that we knew for sure our life this day would end. Just what would our reactions be these few short hours to spend? Would it be one more yesterday, perhaps for self and ease, or making our election sure and stay much on our knees? Or would we anxiously await with hearts in perfect tune a thrill at just the very thought of seeing Jesus soon? How it behooves each one, beware, life here will soon be past. Live each day our best as though it were to be our last. And Joseph died, and all his brethren and all that generation is the sixth verse of the next book in the Bible, Exodus. And Joseph died, and all his brethren and all that generation. Was that the end of Israel? No. The next verse says, and the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. So I say again to you, no man is necessary. Let us not stand around wringing our hands and filling our handkerchiefs with tears when men... And women who have been so mighty for God pass from the scene. God is not dead. God is alive. No man is necessary. That's the first thing I learned in Genesis 50. Joseph died, and all his brethren died, but Israel survived. There's a marvelous strength that's put within all of us if we reach for that strength. Leaves drop and new leaves come on a tree. The cradle is side by side with the grave. Israel grows while Joseph dies. We are mortal people. Let us not act like we are some mighty potentate with an everlasting grip on life. So Joseph died. We must think about that. And we must live our life with that in view. And as I read from Eva Shaver's poem, we do not know what day will be our last. So live and love today and serve today because we are mortal in this body. Let us never forget it. Joseph died. I don't know if I have mentioned to you before or not, but let me mention an incident that happened in a friend's church. An evangelist had been there preaching for several weeks, and God was doing some great things. And one service after preaching, while the evangelist was standing in front ministering to people, this lady ran down the aisle and very excitedly and emotionally said to the evangelist, Please pray for me. If God does not heal me, I'm going to die. He said, Are you a Christian? She said, Yes. Then he said, What difference does it make? I thought that was profound. She was so nervous and upset at the announcement of a doctor that she was taking the whole thing into her own hands and saying, please pray for me if God doesn't heal me. I'm going to die. Well, glory to God, we've got to pass some way or another into that greater life and into that more wonderful world. So what? You see, we've gotten this morbid idea of death. But it's one of the most beautiful records in the Bible. So Joseph died, and they embalmed him and put his body in a coffin in Egypt. So their great leader died. Israel grew and multiplied and waxed exceedingly strong. We are mortal. Let us remember that. We are all going to die if Jesus doesn't come first. Whether we be 40, 50, 70, or 90, or 12. If we know Jesus, it's but the beginning. It is not, in any sense, the ending. It is only the beginning. Let us never forget it. We are mortal. This is a reminder of our mortality. In the natural, we would think that Joseph would have to stay around, that he would have to continue to lead the children of Israel, or they would be like orphans. But these three words underscore God's plan. So Joseph died. And I want every funeral we have And every death we have at Capital Christian Center not to be a time of loss that we shouldn't even say, I've lost my loved one, I've lost my friend. You don't lose something when you know where it is. It's impossible. The magnitude of the Christian hope. So Joseph died. Doesn't say they lost Joseph. He died and they buried him. They believed in what I want to talk to you next about, the reminder of hope. His request to death was a firm sign of his absolute confidence that he still had a share in God's faithful promise. His present communion with God led him to believe in the immortality of the soul. His dying command had to do with his faith faith that reached beyond the grave to the fulfillment of God's unfulfilled promises to him. God would visit him with eternal salvation. And this was many years before Calvary, before the cross of Jesus Christ, but implanted in the heart of Joseph was this truth of immortality, this hope. And here is the reminder of that hope. Jesus went into a tomb and came out to occupy a throne. Our confidence should be nourished today because our Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, says, because I live, ye shall live also. Somehow Joseph knew that. So he said, when you leave Egypt, I want you to take my bones with you. I want them to be buried in the promised land. On resurrection morning, I want my remains to come out of the promised land, not out of Egypt. That's the only reason he wanted those bones carried up to the promised land. He knew there would be a resurrection. He knew there was a hope, just as there is hope for a tree if it dies that it might spring forth to life again. And for the grass, if it dies, that it will come forth again in glory and in beauty. Listen to these promises in the Word of God. Colossians 1.27 Christ in you, the hope of glory. 1 Timothy 1.1 The Lord Jesus is our hope. Romans 8.24 we are saved by hope. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, we are begotten to a lively hope. 1 John 3.3, 3, every man that hath this hope purifieth himself. Hallelujah. Here is a reminder of hope. The Christian is never down and out. He may be down, but he's never out. The Christian never says, I have lost my hope. The Christian never says, It's all over. For the Bible is filled with the message of hope. Now, friends, the clearer our goal, And the clearer our prize, the easier it is to see through the dust and the grim of this present hour. As you crystallize your hope, as you focus on the Word of God and the person of Jesus Christ, the dust and the lint and all that we experience today is not that which characterizes your daily existence. You get up in the morning and say, This is a day the Lord hath made. If it ends by my death, I will be in glory. Hallelujah! Every day. I think of some of you widows who have had to call me saying, Your dear loved one passed out in the yard. And I can think of a couple that way just recently. You found them slumped over in the yard and the emergency vehicle had come and carried that loved one to the hospital. And either the word had already come that there was death or I ran to the hospital and found that that loved one had slipped on to glory. If that should happen on any given day, we have this hope this is just the shell in which the real person lived. And we take that as they did Joseph and embalm it and put it in a coffin and bury it. But hallelujah, there is the message of hope. And if you have that crystallized, clarified in your thinking, it does not matter how great the tragedy How young the person may have been when God called them home. Hope sees beyond today. Here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. That's hope. And we must have that today if we're going to survive. Do you have hope? Have these verses taken hold of you? Begotten to a lively hope. Every man that hath this hope purifieth himself. The Lord Jesus is our hope, saved by hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The fact of mortality is grim if it is not accompanied by the other fact of hope. But when accompanied by hope, how can you feel sad when somebody finds a new home? like is described in the book of Revelation. Ira Stanfield was so taken by the truth of Revelation, he wrote the great song that has become a hit through the years. I have a mansion just over the hilltop. Glory to God. Down here we may live in a tent. My folks started their marriage in a tent. Literally. Literally. The first place they lived was in a tent. We may have only a tent down here, but if we have hope in our minds, we see this fantastic mansion prepared for those that love God. What was Jesus saying in John 14 then? I go to prepare a place for you. And when you start reading about it, it becomes so unbelievable, you almost have to close the book and say, I can't, can't understand that. I can't take that in. That's too much for me to understand. But that's where hope comes in. We have a reminder of hope. Joseph said, take my bones up. When you leave here, I want them in Israel. I want them in the promised land. I want to come out of that land when the resurrection happens. There's hope with all who believe. How wonderful after reading the newspaper this morning, huh? Right? Right? You have hope. If we were to be wiped out today by some unbelievable circumstance, don't anybody cry, don't anybody weep, because we're better off than we have ever been before. The last thing I want to bring to your attention is a reminder of patience. About three centuries passed between the time that Joseph's corpse was laid in that coffin and the night it was lifted out by the departing Israelites. Over 300 years pass. Sometimes it seems the promises of God will never be fulfilled, doesn't it? Let's just be human enough to admit it. Sometimes it seems that the promises of God will never be fulfilled. That was what was plaguing the minds of the church in Peter's day. In the book of 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 4, the question was asked of the great apostle, "Where is the promise of his coming?" If you would like that translated, it would come out something like this. Why has he not returned before now? Where is this Jesus who said, I'm going to come back and bring you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. You see, those followers of the Lord did not understand all that God was going to reveal to the world. They did not understand Bible prophecy. They did not understand that all these things must be fulfilled before the end come. They could not see it. They could not comprehend it, but we have no such excuse. We can see it all coming to pass. Come to the Hal Lindsey seminar and hear it in detail, if you will, the signs of his coming, all happening at one time in one generation even with all of it happening before our very eyes, there is the tendency for us under the pressures of life to sometimes ask what they ask. Where is the promise of his coming? But friends, through all those 300-some years, the mute form of Joseph kept saying, if the vision tarry, wait for it. Habakkuk 2.3 records those words, if the vision tarry, Wait for it. Don't be discouraged. Life is short at best. Our desire to see everything reaped before death closes our eyes to some things. Sometimes Paul's words need greater emphasis than they receive. In Romans 8.25, he said, If we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. My message to you right now is on the wonderful fruit of the Spirit that we call patience. Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. 300 years before Joseph's desire was fulfilled. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? How old are you? 27, and you've become upset with God because some promise has not yet been fulfilled? Hey, give God time. A thousand years with God is as a day. He's in no hurry. The Living Bible in Romans 8, 25 reads like this. I like it. Listen. But if we must keep trusting God for something that hasn't happened yet, it teaches us to wait patiently and confidently. So there it is. How we are to react to things that have not yet come to pass that we believe God has made clear to us. We wait patiently and confidently. We say over and over, God is God. God is God. God is God. I am trusting in God, if you say that a hundred times a day, you will never be defeated. God is God. I am trusting God. You will make it if you wait patiently and confidently in this mighty God. The more sure the confidence, the more quiet the patient waiting. One day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Now, Joseph knew that God would fulfill his word to Israel. Joseph had that confidence. That's why he said to them, keep my body in view until you leave here. Let it be a reminder for you to trust the Lord. And then when you go, take my bones, carry them with you. Let them be a reminder constantly of God's promise. Now, how does this work in natural life? Could I give you an illustration out of my own experience? Some of you know my sister Maxine, who stayed here for a year and will be back to visit next week, in fact. She's the oldest in our family. My sister Maxine, for a period of time, had a difficult time serving God. She would not mind me telling you that she was away from God for a period of her life. On December the 10th, 1976, my mother passed away. Mom was kind of the backbone of our family because our dad died when he was fairly young and we were used to mom's prayers and mom's support. Mom died. I conducted her funeral at her request. One month later, after burying our mother, my niece and nephew's four-year-old boy, Freddie, was killed. Freddie was my sister's grandson, the son of my sister's daughter. One month from the time of my mother's passing, get this now in focus, I was on the platform in our church, Doug Weed was preaching, when an urgent call came to me and I ran to the phone and it was my niece and nephew telling me of this accident in Tacoma with their four-year-old son, hit by a car. He died without regaining consciousness. I conducted his funeral, four years old. At the funeral of my sister's grandson, one month after we buried our mother. My sister put her arms around my neck after my message in that service, standing right there by the casket. And I heard my sister say, it took mom's death and this tragedy to bring me back. And she has been back ever since. Mom had prayed much. For my sister, and did not live to see her come back, which underscores what I'm saying to you right now. Sometimes our patient waiting even continues into the next world. You cannot always evaluate things by what you see at that moment. God is faithful. And if we will keep saying it, God is God, He is in control, that He works in all things, we will see God be who He is. There's even another sequel to that story. I drove to the house of the lady who ran over my little nephew knowing that she must be going through a hell of her own. So my wife and I drove to her home. Her name was Mrs. Jameson. I have never seen such a distraught woman in my life. I asked her to sit on the Davino beside me, and I took her by the hands, and I said, Mrs. Jameson, I've never met you before. I don't know what your relationship with Jesus Christ is, but I want you to know this, that it was not your fault, that nobody in our family is blaming you for this tragedy. Not these young parents. No one is blaming you for this accident. He pulled away from his father who was walking him across the street. And he ran right in front of the car. No one could have made this stop. It just happened. And I said, I'm going to pray for you, Mrs. Jameson, that God will take this grief from your heart. And he will. And we prayed. And Mrs. Jameson was able to come to that funeral for little Freddie And what a scene it was when I saw her after everyone else had left the chapel and all of us family members were gathered there at the front, come back into the chapel and put her arms around that young set of parents and my sister and say, I love you. And for them to say to her, we love you and God works in everything. For his good. And so on and on the story goes. If you patiently wait on God, God fulfills his divine plan. It's what I call the magnitude of the Christian hope. We have never lost hope. God has worked from that day to this in our family through those circumstances. Mom has not seen unless you can see from the balcony of heaven all that has been happening in our family, but it has been glorious. Why? Because you patiently wait for God to be who he said he would be, God, in control. I say to you, friends, today, no hope based upon this book, is ever disappointed. I say it without hesitation. I say it emphatically. No hope based upon God's Word is ever disappointed. None. I learned that in Genesis 50. God will surely visit you. That is what Joseph said to his brethren. God will surely visit you. You hear it from God today. God will surely visit you. I don't know how long you've been waiting, but he who builds on that rock will never be put to shame. God will surely visit you. I don't know who wrote these lines, but with them I conclude my message today. Hammer away! Ye rebel bands, your hammers break. God's anvil stands. Hallelujah. This is time, my dear friends, not to put your hope in the stock market, not in the health that you may today possess because tomorrow it may be gone. This is a day to put your hope in the solid rock, Christ Jesus, and make sure that everything about you is based upon this book and that you can say, as Joseph said, God will not forget you. God will not leave you here. God will surely bring you up and out. That is the magnitude of the Christian hope. It did not happen for three hundred years, but it happened. My sister did not come back to God until three, or rather, four weeks after my mother's death, but she came back, and now all six children are walking with God. What a reunion we're going to have someday when the magnitude of this Christian hope is finalized for us. Glory to God. So where are you placing your emphases? My heart is broken at times when I see people so carelessly flitting through life. You're here for an hour on Sunday morning and then you're like a phantom the rest of the week. Never to be found. No service to Christ and His church no real depth of experience. And I want you to know God is faithful and he's patient and he's calling you. And his servant, Pastor Cole, calls you today to get back to what really counts, to depend upon God, to get your roots down in spiritual things and stop running here and there, trying to make something out of your life. Joseph says to all of us, God is faithful. And if you have your hope in anything else, forget it. God is going to bring us through as we serve and trust Him and Him alone. I want you to stand with me.